Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this award-winning, it's not award-winning, uh, episode Just say it. of our um, of our twice weekly podcast, joined always, same every time, by Monsieur Flatman. Hello, uh, bonjour, Thomas, ça va? Uh, bien et toi? Yeah, bon actually. Yeah, Good. all's going well. Um, I was going to say, like, joined by my tag team member. Uh, I mean, what WWF tag team would we be? Do you reckon? Legion of Womb. <laughs> Uh, I was <laughs> I was going on the lines of I don't know Heart Foundation. Oh God! All right, yeah, do your one then. Yours? No, I don't buy one thing. No, no. <laughs> oh, great start! Great start! I tell you what, though, mate, we would be unbelievably effective as a tag team because you got me like. Brett the Hitman Hart, who would be incredible at like all the acrobats. I'll get on the top rope, you know. I'll, yeah. I'll do all the um, I'll do all the jumping, anything anything that involves being nimble and yeah. flexible. And you're just the muscle, mate. You're, you're the well, mu- you'll you'll get them down. You'll tire them out, and yeah. I'll come off and finish them. What I'd struggle with along with a lot of other things, is when you sprint in and then just dive into the ring where they dive underneath the bottom rope, I reckon I'd jump up and I reckon I'd just whack myself on the side. Yeah. Win myself. You would be... I'd have to hold the rope. You know, I'd have to step on the middle rope, hold the top rope, get you in. (laughs) (laughs) But I reckon I'd be all right. If somebody was whacking me with chairs and staircases, I reckon I'd be all right. Yeah, you'd be fine. I think you'd have a finishing move a bit like the earthquake remember where you used to run from the side of the rope to the other side of the rope and then just sit on them yeah 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 that's what I do and I also I also love a wrestle but before we logged on just now um uh, obviously I came up quarter of an hour early to prep slash uh, just have a coffee on my own and um well the kids do math and English downstairs and I you know you know that I watch some odd stuff on Instagram and social media I was just watching the dark um, web. Georgian and All-American Wrestling Championships. Okay. Different ones and different clips. I love it. I absolutely love it. Mm. I would. If I could come back in another life and do a different sport, it's a nice idea to do that. I mean, it doesn't pay any money, so you'd, be, you'd have to go and get a job as well, which I don't really like the sound of, to be honest. But um, I'd probably play rugby again. But my second choice would be uh, either, yeah, some sort of wrestling or something i think it's nice to see you take a break from cars though you yeah know, i know so. i i do try and wean myself off genuinely i try and wean myself off because i find myself at night on piston heads and auto trader at eleven fifty three p.m looking at old cars you know it's just it's ridiculous i mean when i go on my instagram feed you know where you can see all the different videos um yeah i get a lot of golfing videos just looking at swings looking at shots i get Quite a few Instagram models, not sure why. And mm. I've started to get a fair bit of barbecue cooking, steaks yep. and, and grilling at the moment. Yep. I think it's because you tagged me in 
welcome aboard. Quite a few of your um, um, of your meals. You can imagine, like I'm quite open about what I look at: um, mm. cars, barbecues, mm. wrestling. Mm. What I get more than any of that is Rugby. female weightlifting. <laughs> true story. It's a completely true story. Oh, you yeah. like that, do you? I like weightlifting, and if I'm, I like weightlifting, and if I'm going to watch it, I'd probably rather watch a woman do it, yeah, than a man. Is female weightlifting a bit more like female tennis? You know, you see better rallies. You see, <laughs> yeah, it's not so much weightlifting of like power. It's not so much Olympic lifting. It's more like gym work, sort of, you know, jelly wrestling, squatting and benching and lunging and that sort of stuff. Grappling. Yeah, arm wrestles. Have you ever been to a jelly wrestling event? No, I've never heard of jelly wrestling. What is that? They cover themselves in jelly and they wrestle in a... Oh, um, right. Like a mud wrestle type thing. Yeah, but they wrestle in what it would be a large paddling pool. Men or women? Both, probably. Yeah, but it's like, what would you rather watch? Men's beach volleyball or women's beach volleyball? Well, um, we used to train at the Bath Uni gym with the Great Britain beach volleyball team, men and women. Um, and what I was say try and give this balanced and non-offensive the you know you do like a standing jump onto you know you standing jump for power and some yeah. people like ugo have just got freaky standing jumps mm-hmm. the lads who played beach volleyball they would like take a run up of a couple of steps and jump like a high jump takeoff because that's how they operate yeah and oh my god the height they could get was it was unreal they weren't massive guys they weren't like six eight they were like six yeah. three or something they like jordan un- yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it was like it was just freaky, really freaky. Um, mm. And just in terms of balance, just because I don't want to be talk all about men, the female team were astonishing specimens. Also, I never had a great standing jump, but you know I wasn't slow either. So yeah, you you know it, these things. It's like you know Maradona might might not have won a sprint test, but he was quick enough to outrun the people he needed to outrun. You know. See, I reckon I could beat Shane Williams in a race. No. Well, over three k. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mm. still don't know if you could, but um, you know, it, it's there's you. So what? It's like, you know, equally, I could, I could bench, you know, over two hundred kilos. And I never handed anyone off properly in my life. <laughs> so what's the point? <laughs> you know, you don't. Well, to be fair, you probably never really got in a situation where you could hand someone off because exactly. You've got, like I could, you've got to yeah. be out wide with a bit of pace to go around the outside of them. You know, that's yeah, where, that's where it's it like works. at one point I was. You know, the numbers don't really matter, but I was um, box squatting. 270 and then 290 kilos for a couple of reps, and you think well, that is serious weight really for a rugby player and then how how explosive was i in terms of pace zero i was quite good at weights but i don't go on about it yeah but on point is it was pointless it was pointless all i did was put my body under loads of stress and then it made me stronger i suppose but it you know you see like our guest today who we'll talk about in a sec oh you know he 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 lifts some serious weights but you see it translates explosive power i lifted them and just basically got heavier and slower i mean this won't come as a surprise to people because Obviously, it'll be included in the title of today's pod, but I, I'm stoked. I'm uber excited. Flats, just tell us who's coming on later. We've got the winningest British Olympian of all time. Uh, the winningest. He, Sir Chris Hoy is coming on. Mm. Um, cyclist, uh, hero to many, son of a nurse, um, racing driver, and all round incredibly good bloke. Um so yeah, dropped him a little Texas the other day and he said, Yeah, cool. When suits and I'm thinking, well, we'll have to work around his schedule. And I said, Well, can we call you about that? Yeah, mate. Easy. Done. I hope he's on the you bike know, when we ring him. I just want to know if he still goes for bike rides. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I want to know. And then we can put the phone down. Also And if he does, how far does he go? Yeah, and how hard does he go? And does he always beat his kids? But he's um He's also, just to go back a bit, Tommy, he's also a couple of times put a couple of videos of him squatting on um, Instagram, and I like that. I've sent that to you. You know I like it. Because mm. he's not a huge guy. He's a big guy, but he's not a huge guy, and he, he puts he's still shifting some weight, and I think, you know what? There's a lot to be said for that. What would he be, six foot two? He was in the junior rowing yeah. team. 
at school. Yeah, he's just he's just a great he's just a great shape. He's a really good shape because he's he's you no know, there's no fat on him. And he says he reckons squatting keeps him lean. Yeah, you burn a lot of calories doing weights, often more than um, cardio. But mm. I wonder what his shape is like now. Whether it's oh, sort mate. of like the Sean Perry, Kieran Bracken, he's gone real heavy down below, or no. whether he's like Adam Jones, the prop. <laughs> shall I, shall just, I tell you what he's like? Because I did a, I did, I do some stuff with him every now and again. And weirdly, just before, just before we logged on here, uh, Caterham, the car people that he races yep. for, race for, they said a you know throwback Thursday to a year ago today. We did this thing. Chris Hoy and Flats did this thing. So, but so I'd done a couple of bits here and there, and he base his shape is. Let's not say this to him. We don't want to get him big head. No way. His shape. He looks like an Olympic athlete. That's what he looks like, and he's not not like whoa. He's going to rip your arms off. He is in perfect shape. So he's got big legs, but they're not freaky. He's got big guns, but they're not freaky. Everything is just strong and lean, and I'm a bit resentful of that. So he's six-time Olympic champion, right? And obviously, to, to tarnish those six gold medals, um, he's got one silver. Um, Shame that. Probably didn't try hard enough. But yeah, yeah. Sh- should we try not to mention any of that during this interview? Let's not mention bikes Let, let's or not, cycling. Let's not mention any Olympic gold medals um, and see if... Uh, yeah, that might not be that easy. Yeah, no. Correct, correct. Um, but he's he's one of the good guys. Um, one of the good guys. It's funny because you quite often you think, well, I better let's laugh get a, now. You said it. It's not funny, ha ha, funny, oh. uh, interesting. But you, it's like let's get let's get a really big name on, and it's like, God, how do you go about getting these people on? Mm. And we, you know, it's just you and me, isn't it? So we don't have a booker or a talent sourcer or anything like that, like some other guys have. We might have a production crew and stuff with their pod, and that's fine. So a lot of time it's just like I can't really be asked ringing agents and all that kind of stuff but there are people you can just text they're like yep yeah it's so nice yeah i mean and if people don't come on during this period then they're just ignorant they're arrogant yeah. they're ignorant um they don't want to help another brother out I've like messi no messi wouldn't come on he's like what's the fee you know i was like leo boy um yeah so it'd be nice actually it'd yeah. be nice a couple of things we have to mention first um now we've got a We've got some commentary coming out uh, tomorrow, which is which will be Friday, Friday the fifteenth. And last week we covered Wales v England in the quarterfinal of the Rugby World Cup two thousand and three. Uh, this is brought to you by DHL, um, and it's it's sort of our take, isn't it? It's our take on this game. We're doing another one today, again, brought to you by DHL of. England v Wales 2015 Rugby World Cup, which is going to be showed next week. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited because it's work and it just gets you out of the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do it in my house. So yeah, it gets me out of the kitchen where the kids are doing homeschooling. I don't. I go to a library or a garden centre because I'm allowed. Oh, well done. I might do mine at the golf club, actually. Have you booked a tea time yet? Can't till Monday in Wales. Really? It's not open till Monday. And you can only play individually. So I play on my own. Of course, I'll do that. I saw a couple of boys posting photos yesterday. Banners. Matt, Matt Banahan. Yeah. Mate, he's got half a swing. Who's filming him, though? Um, yeah. Don't yeah. ask. Don't all, ask. I don't want to stitch him up. All his mates. No, he's just put it on the floor, hasn't he? Taking a little photo oh, he? for his followers. Yeah, Banners is good at golf, mind. Yeah, he is very good at golf. Um, Did you say he's got half a swing, like not much drawback or something, <laughs> he or fallback? A, he looked a bit stiff. Like Jim Courier? Yeah, like Stephen Ferris, both the same. Big blokes, though, aren't they? A lot of muscle to move around that. Yeah, but he's good, though. I'm told Banners is very good yeah, at golf. Yeah, no, he is very good. But I'm looking forward to that. Monday, we are allowed to play, so um be nice. I mean, if if there's a sport which is actually promotes social distancing, it is golf. Yeah. Unless you're playing top level and you're both smashing it down the middle. I mean, I'll play with, I'll play with Bubs, my mate, and I'm pretty much down the middle. He is... He's like Dick Tracy with his um, driver. Just everywhere. Firing it everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can't rake bunkers. Um, there's You can't... Uh, I, I think the holes are covered, basically. So you can't put your hand in the hole. Oh, really? Maybe there's no flags just to you know, help. Did you see that? I retweeted something yesterday. Um, and it was an infrared or whatever you call it special camera showing how quickly a virus passes around a restaurant no I've given up on watching anything like that now oh it's brilliant 
propaganda. Really it's propaganda. Well, that was interesting, that was all. Okay. Um, but we're going to be all right. We're on the way down, boy. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully we, we are. are. We are. The trends are, take it Wednesday by Wednesday, we are on the way down. We're, we're doing all right. Just keep it going, yeah? The big news this week was two more episodes of The Last Dance dropped. Oh. And oh. I texted you, didn't I, after episode seven, saying I nearly cried. Yeah. And you know what I'm like, Terminator 2. You've ne- you didn't cry when you were a baby. No. Um, I nearly went. I just thought, the little two-minute 20 clip I tweeted yesterday is just, is there better two minutes 20, apart from outtakes, than that? Jimmy Gemmell, uh, Sky Sports Jimmy Gemmell, he made a great point, and he just said, yes, it, but the editing, the music, it's yes. a masterpiece. And he's right. He's absolutely right. I never thought of it like that. Mm. Watch it again, and you're like, whoever put this together is brilliant. Mm. Is is a genius. Yeah, it's so. Oh, it's it's just incredible telly, and it would be incredible telly if it was. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, a sort of a League One footballer. It would be great telly because it's just brilliantly made. But it happens to be, arguably, the greatest athlete of all time in I, any sport. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's got to be. It's got to be. And it's it's the best born documentary. If is it a documentary, a series? Whatever you uh, want to call it, yeah. I've watched. Now, our mate, Baz Barrett, your mate more so after your fishing trip together. Yeah. Uh, he texts me to say, would I do a little piece for the WRU on first cap experiences? And I said, yeah, no problem, mate. But I want a nice little comfy single-seater chair. I want a little table next to me with a cigar. <laughs> I want a little glass of whiskey and then a little bit of mood music. And right at the end, I want to say break. Just yeah. get the tune going a bit, get yeah. the wobble going. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it'd be so funny if you. It'd be so funny if you just did it completely straight face, cigar, whiskey, armchair, earring. Oh, earring, <laughs> diamond, golden diamond earring. I used to have an earring as well. Oh, back in the day, um, mate. I've got. I'm facing real pressure, and I went online yesterday to Google it, and I. It turns out I'm not alone. Since normal people, because all because every. Well, every woman and every man in the UK fancies uh, Connell Waldron, who was... Never heard of him. ...the main character, right? You'll see. And they all fancy him, and they all deny it, but they do. Well, some of them deny it, but he wore a neck chain. And there's a whole hashtag now, Connell's neck chain, and I'm now under pressure to start wearing a chain. I think it's suit your look at the moment, because it's, it's a strong look mm. you got with your moustache. I've, yeah. I've grown my back a little bit, as you know. Yeah, I like it. Um, but a big, bushy one wouldn't suit me. So, no, your, yours just needs to be subtle and bit, a bit threatening, just ominous. Yeah, it just needs to know it's there, a little bit of stubble mm. there, and I think it, it finishes my look off. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like it actually, but the, the neck chain, so uh, my little girl Buddha got put a, found a long uh, gold neck chain. She obviously wears it down to her navel sometimes, but it just went around my neck perfectly, and... Uh, she hung it off me and I wore it for an afternoon and thought, could I be... It was little, It was a gold one with little rosy bobbles on it. So I wore that for the day. Um, I felt quite comfortable, actually, but I saw a couple of people I knew on a walk and they mocked me. Um, forget them, mate. Forget them. You're trying, to re- you, you're trying to re-identify yourself, like going on X Factor. You're trying to find a, um, you know, a style that suits because, as I say, mate, you're a chameleon. I think your best style um, is... Black your, Ops. Is your Black Ops, yeah. I mean... Yeah. You went through a stage of wearing tweed. It looked like you were going to the races every single time you were on TV. Yeah. But now, yeah, now you found now you found it. I think, mate, you found SAS. Who dares wins? That's your yeah. look. Hey, by the way, um, did a load of research yesterday and the day before into um, COVID nineteen. Right, symptoms, forums with people describing symptoms. Mm. Let me tell you this: I am eighty eight percent confident that I had COVID-19 mm. on the 11th of February. Never let alone March. Cheltenham was mid-March. Shut down, lockdown was March, wasn't it? Or whatever it was. It mm. kicked in mid-March. I had it in the second week of February. And I am I am very confident. And I don't say that lightly. Mm. Um, yeah, I've, had, I've had it three times, mate. So it's fine. It's fine. So I had, it, I had it before you were born. But I reckon I had it. And... Um, then, so I went on that, and then it's like, oh, just buy a test. I was like, how do you, you know, on this forum, it's like, buy a test. Where do you buy a test? And there's a link 
to literally buy a test online, an antibody test or something. And I got to the point where I was almost going to the kitchen to get my wallet and buy this test. And I was like, no, 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 no. What are you doing? This is this is a scam. But can you buy tests online? And I helped, out, I helped out a Nigerian businessman the other day with a few hundred thousand quid. Oh, well done, mate. Yeah, I thought it was a scam. I didn't think it was a scam, but... You know, it's, I'm just I invested. I invested renewable energy in Ghana a couple of years ago. <laughs> That's not a joke, <laughs> as you know. How's it going for you? That'll come back to me. That you wait. Yeah, I know. It's a long. It's a long term investment. I got a good man in charge of that. That'll be fine. Um, right. So I finished unorthodox. Um, of course. Four hours of my life, I won't really get back. Oh God. Mm, I know it's based on a a great book. I, I believe that was written, but. Maybe the book is a little bit better. I just, I couldn't get away from how small she was. Tommy! What? Come on. Every time, no, but it's like, you know, you see someone with a big mole in front of you when you're speaking to him. And no matter what they're saying, all you're doing is looking at that mole going, oh my God, that's massive. That's ma-. Or someone with a bit of food on their face. or someone That's, that's spit- why I'm not wearing a chain. That's why I'm not wearing a chain. Or someone that spits on you when they talk. And you just, you can't get away from that. Um, but... In all seriousness, that was okay, mate. I mean, it's, it wasn't. It was one of your worst recommendations. You're up there with Ben Backhouse now, um, so you need to come out strong on the next one. Mm, okay. Um, I'm, right. Save me two. I'm in two, and that was voted as one of the best series to watch in 2020. So oh, it's so good. It, I love that show. Mm, mm. It's, I was obsessed with that when it was on. I watched that in about two days. It's like Aid Edmondson, right? I can never get away from the fact that. You know his character in Bottom, Eddie. You yeah. Know, it's, every time I look at him, I just think he's gonna smash he's smash something over his head and spit a load of teeth out. He's married to Jennifer Saunders, isn't he? Well, he was, and hopefully he still is. But yeah, I absolutely love Jennifer Saunders. She's one of my. Want to marry her? I wish. I wish <coughs> I'd had the opportunity. Hmm. She one of my, and Dawn French. They are just my favourites. Love yeah. them. Yeah, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Bottom was amazing though. Yeah. yeah, one of my that was Rick, Rick Mayle died, didn't he, a couple of years ago? Yeah, that is probably as a kid one of the best things I ever watched growing up. That yeah. and then Partridge came a little bit after that. So genio, yeah, genio, yeah. Um, well, it's close to the time where we've got to call Sir Chris Hoy. So let's do it. We better get him on the line. Let's do it, boy. Hold up! What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Should we, should we just get into it, lads? Let's fly into it. Of course. It. Let's rip yeah, up let's the part. Uh, <laughs> Sir Chris, thanks for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, it is right that you 
you um, demand that we call you Sir Chris, isn't it? Always, of course. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. I would, I will hit the disconnect button the minute you don't refer to me as yeah. Sir. Yeah, Sir Ian was like that. Sir Clive Wood was the same. <laughs> You've got to be on toes, haven't you? It's fair to say yeah, well, you've just about earned that right to be called Sir Chris. You're actually the first <laughs> knight we've had on this podcast. So is that right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Raising the bar for you. There you go. A couple of MBEs, a couple of OBEs, but no, this is. Um, oh well. We can only get we can only get bigger now. They're giving yeah, it away these it. days, so you know. Cut. Yeah, it's true, actually. Be shanks on me next. Um, Cyclists getting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell tell us, mate. Tell us what you are up to in lockdown. Has your world kind of paused like everyone else's, or is it business as usual? It's half and half. So yeah, things like well, everybody's riding bikes now, and I mm. make I make kids bikes. That's my business, and yeah. So a lot of families are trying to get their kids out on bikes and learning to ride. So it's been a really busy time, but obviously very difficult with supply and stock and everything else but it's been fun i've been making little videos at home i've been doing a few quite a few meetings and conference calls as everyone else is doing just now i've got two kids under the age of five so yeah um i'd like to pretend that i'm doing some of the homeschooling but it's mainly my wife sarah she's doing all the kind of hard graft with that um but it's been yeah i I guess we'll look back and hopefully we'll look back with rose-tinted specs and think what a wonderful time it was to spend all that time with the family in one place yeah. because I'm usually, you know, traveling around so much, but at the same time, the day we can drop them off at school and nursery and go, bye. <laughs> yeah. I'll be, so true. I'll, I'll be delighted. <laughs> I mean, if I get an, if I get an invite through for a conference call, I'm over the moon at the moment. You know, just for me, that's just like an hour on my own. <laughs> I lock myself yeah. away. I can go to the office if I want. And, uh, you know, the, I can't get enough of them. I can't yeah. get enough of them. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. It's, um, so thanks for inviting me on your podcast. This is no, exactly. Let's you know, string, string it no out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as long as you want. We, in about half, in about twenty minutes, we'll like, we'll like say goodbye, and you'll just say yeah, bye, and you'll just keep talking to yourself for two hours. Yep. Well, it all began exactly. in nineteen eighty nine. Um, <laughs> so here's here's a question for you, right? This is mm-hmm. so Shanks and I obviously were uh, rugby players, and you yep. you can have a rugby ball and take it to the park with your kids, but it's not you're not playing rugby, and you basically play rugby or you don't. But I just wanted to know if you still go for bike rides. I do. Yes, I do. Are you, I still are enjoy you really it. intense or do you just go for nice, fun bike rides? No, well, I, 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 still, I still lift in the gym. So uh-huh. strength training was a big part of the, the training I used to do. But I don't actually ride on the track that much, maybe half a dozen times a year. And it's usually sort of corporate or charity events where you're mm-hmm. showing people how to do it for the first time. But I do still go out on the bike. I still train indoors on the turbo. So you'd think that, the fun mm. part would be out getting fresh air and riding. And I do enjoy yeah. that. But I also enjoy every now and again just having a proper session on the indoor bike. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's maybe I'm just institutionalized. You know, I've done it for so many years. But quite, mm. I do quite enjoy that feeling after the session of thinking, well, I've, I've pushed myself pretty hard. When you go out on the bike, is it just like, do you just go like, say, a thousand meters maximum and then come back in? Or... <laughs> <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah. I line up with my aero helmet on. Yeah. And go, and is, flat it, out down the street and stop. Yeah. Here's a question I've always wanted to ask, right? What is an acceptable distance, okay, uh, to go on a bike to fully get suited up in all the gear, to sort of get yourself backpacked Ooh, like a torpedo? That's, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I think it's more about um, the intensity of what you're doing. So if you're going to get fully kitted up, yeah, um, it's more about, well, you know, are you going out for a training session? Or if it, look at the weather. If it's you know horrendous weather, then you're going to have to get wear sensible clothes. You don't want to be going out and getting soaking wet. If you're riding to work, yeah, you don't have to wear full lycra and everything else. But lycra is there for a reason. It doesn't flap around. It's it's more comfortable when you're going fast. But I think you know what, wear what you want as long as you're riding, as long as you're out getting active and pedaling. That's that's absolutely fine. So for my mate Bubs, right, he um he puts all his gear on. He's, he's a bit larger a guy, but he, I think he likes yeah. the fact that it, everything's sort of tucked in. He cycles. <laughs> One and a half miles to Costa Coffee when when it's open, um, with, yeah. with his aviators on, um, and back again. But I think he just likes the feel of it. I mean, is that acceptable? There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, you know, you know, each to the run. I tend to start Whatever shaving his legs. Yeah, yeah. He, he, shaving he, legs is fine. Yeah. He, he didn't need a nine grand bike with electric gears, but he's got one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We've I've all um, been there, you know. I've got you might you might you might think this is sacrilege what I'm about to tell you, but um, mm-hmm. obviously I'm a heavier gent, Chris, and I live in Bath, which is very hilly, and I've actually got um, a bike which offers a level of electric assistance. Are you okay with that? <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? I'm I I was totally against e-bikes when they first came out years ago, and I thought, what's the point? You know, you you're going out for a ride, you want to get fit, healthy, use your legs, and then I tried one, 
and I think they're absolutely brilliant. And you know, it makes complete sense, particularly for people who are getting back into exercise or using it for commuting. You know, you can if you, you don't want to turn up at a, a meeting absolutely purple in the face and sweaty and hot. So, yeah, I think e-bikes are great for and and you could go out with you know guys who are much faster, who are more experienced than you, and you could keep up on the hills and yeah. then hang in there on the flats and the downhills. Or even overtake them on the downhills. Downhills, I overtake. I would yeah, I'm yeah, particularly I'd strong. Momentum. Long, yeah, as long as I'm fearless, I'm winning downhill. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk. We'll talk in a minute about you know uh, cycling, how you got into it, and all that. But yeah. the the lifting part of it is something that um, interests. Shanks does a bit. I do a bit. Um, and it looks like you don't. You quite like getting on the turbo indoors. I've got a corner of my little garden in Bath where I'm just face a fence. I've got a squat rack next to a fence. Mm-hmm. And I just squat facing a, an old wooden fence and I'm very happy to stand in that corner for an hour, hour and a half on a Monday afternoon uh, or whatever it is and lift things up and down. It's it's an odd thing and weightlifting <laughs> is not cool and it never has been, but we're hoping we can bring it back and make it trendy again. But you love squatting, don't you? Why do you love it so much? I don't know. It's it's It was the foundation to to my kind of cycling fitness so for a sprinter on the track it's not about doing miles and miles and miles you know hours and hours on your bike it's about power and strength so the the squat is the kind of king of exercises Mm. it was the one that if you could only do one exercise you could not just get by but you could actually thrive in track sprinting if you were just squatting and doing nothing else so it was all it was the kind of benchmark for your the core of your foundation of your of your strength and your fitness so and it's carried on. And I think because you can maintain strength, you know, it's like other components of fitness, you lose it really quickly. But if you just do even one session a week, once you've, once you've built the strength up, you can maintain it. So I guess it's, I'm living in the past. I'm living my old glory days. I can still That's go it. to the gym and live. You know, I can still, I can still squat 90% of what I could do when I was competing. Yeah. And it makes you feel good. And yeah, I, I don't know. There's, there's definitely, you get a kind of hormonal response. You get a, a sort of a, a rebound after a gym session. It makes you feel good. And um, yeah, I get to stare at myself, and I've got a mirror in my squat rack, so I get to look at myself oh, yeah. for an hour. Yeah. So yeah. that's oh, the yeah. best part of it. Train, you know. train a little bit longer, then, can't you? I mean, obviously, <laughs> you do a lot of leg weights, but um, do you do any upper body weights? Because you know your upper body is a little bit different to the likes of Garrett Thomas, Bradley Wiggins, who've got sort of yeah pipe cleaners for yeah. arms. Yeah, well, yeah. Are they, um, they're not even arms, really, are they? No, they're just <laughs> I don't know what they're just attached to the bike, really, don't they? But um, they're yeah the cyclists are you know notoriously skinny on their upper body they want to be as aero as possible it's not just about weight it's about your frontal area your aerodynamic position on the bike yeah and um, but for sprinters we don't we didn't actually or i certainly didn't train my arms but because you're doing so many starts so when you're doing starts on the bike you're trying to maintain that form and there's a huge uh, yeah. amount of force and it's isometric so you your arms might look they look a lot bigger than your average road cyclist but we're yeah. not training our arms to get bigger because if you get too big you get less aero yeah and also you want to look good in a t-shirt don't you obviously that's the main reason yeah because yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we've said many times on this pod chris that you wouldn't have heard you know you might have great legs but you don't see legs in a nightclub so <laughs> depends if you're wearing shorts or not you know <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i always did i always yeah. did and calf yeah, straps why not? yeah um I, an interesting one is the the the, the that the sort of translation of I guess it's it's not quite the same as translating from a, a rower translating from an ergo to the water, but the, the sort of the, the translation of track cycling to road cycling and people like Mark Cavendish who kind of go in between. I think that unless you unless you know a little bit, or a lot of people who you know watch the Tour de France and watch the Olympic final and not a lot else um, wouldn't know sort of the differences. But I, you know, how would if if you take a, a say a sprinter a um, a road a road cycle sprinter like a Cavendish or a uh, Sagan or someone how would how would they fare in a sort of a track sprint against the likes of you the likes of Kenny and these guys if you if you put a, a world class road sprinter so the best in the world um, against an average track sprinter they would get destroyed it's it's just it's like comparing Mo Farah to Usain Bolt mm, you know Mo yeah. Farah could run the final 100 metres of his marathon, he could probably run a sub-12 second and it would look absolutely blistering. But in comparison to someone who trains for nothing else other than for 10 seconds, they would you can't you can't compare. Yeah. And even if you stand them next to each other, I've got I've got a photo of me with Andre Greipel and he's known as the gorilla because he's this massive yeah. road sprinter, huge big guy. And he looks like a sort of 14-year-old kid standing next to me and I wasn't <laughs> yeah. even that big back then. Like a hobbit. It's, just, it's, it's all, yeah, it's all, it's all you know, perspective. Um, these guys yeah. are able to get through 
a five or a six hour stage over hills, you know, incredible endurance athletes. And at the end of all that, they can still hit 70 Ks an hour and they're fearless and they have, they have sprinters instincts. They are, you know, they're able to find gaps and to, to read a race. But as, as in terms of a physiology, as a pure sprint athlete, they'll never get close to, to somebody who's training for nothing else other than 10 seconds of, and if you look at the power, um, a top sprinter, maybe a 90 kilogram track sprinter will hit about 2,500 watts peak power. Mm. Your your very best road sprinter would hit about 16, 17, maybe 1,800 watts. So they're going to be right. seven or 800 watts down. Big on, difference. In, you know, like pure power. Massive difference, yeah. yeah. Big difference. Um, obviously, as a kid, right, you, you like cycling. Um, how do you sort of translate from cycling as a kid into actually velodrome cycling? Mm. Um you know, were you into BMXing? Were you jumping over your mates with a breeze block oh, and, a, and a bit of wood? Loved it, loved it, mate. That's that's what got. Well, I watched the film ET, and that was what got me that's into it. BMX. What about BMX had, bandits with Nicole well, do Kidman? You know what? I, I, I've, do you know what? I'm embarrassed to say I've never actually seen that film, but um, but ET was what sparked it for me because I'd I'd never seen a BMX bike before. I watched uh, yeah. that film, yeah, and it was the first time, and I'd never seen a bike used that way. You know, going over the jumps and Elliot. wheeling. Carving, yeah, it was ah. Oh, so that, that was the that was the moment, and then I passed my kid, my parents. You know, desperately wanted a bike, a BMX bike. They're good thrifty Scots. They thought, well, I'm not spending 110 quid on a a rally burner. We'll get them a secondhand bike. They got me a five pound bike from a jumbo sale. My dad sprayed it black. He put BMX <laughs> stickers on it, new handlebars, made it look like a BMX, nice. and that was that was shot. awesome. That was my first bike. Yeah, got me in. Yeah. So, uh, Last but, class. but so were you um, sort of. Um, a road cyclist, and then you sort of made the transition to the velodrome, or how did that? Well, about? I did BMX as as a sport, so I raced BMX till I was about fourteen, mm. and I loved it. And I went all over the world with it. And my dad, it was like this nice little ritual every weekend, every Friday after school, after work, we get the car packed up, leave first thing on the Saturday morning, drive down to wherever in England somewhere, and then back up on a Sunday night. And it was our sort of initially, it was just because we wanted to spend more time together because he was working so hard. Um, and I just loved it and, and yeah. it kind of progressed from there. When I was 14, I took up mountain biking, joined a club, learned about well, trying to train and learning how to train more for road cycling, mountain biking. And only because there was a velodrome in Edinburgh that I tried it and it wasn't some sort of amazing light bulb moment. I wasn't suddenly great at it. I, I loved it, but I wasn't very good. But it took a long time just chipping away and chipping away. And it was there's so many different things happen. I could bore you for hours about it, but basically right place at the right time left university just as lottery funding started that meant i could go full-time i didn't have to get a job um you know i got a ten thousand pound grant which was like a million pounds to me at that time yeah um paid the rent paid my food i could travel down to manchester and it, it just everything happened at just the right time when i was there there was no coaching or real support but the guys that i was training with were almost like my coaches craig mclean jason queely um, they were older more experienced and they were the ones that i sort of tagged on to and, and tried to learn from would you would you obviously there, there's always a combination of um what you call natural talent as soon as i always think as soon as we shanks and i comment out on rugby matches and we talk about a danny cipriani and we say well he's gifted he's naturally gifted i always think that's a compliment and an insult at the same time because it suggests he hasn't had to try very hard to get where exactly. he is and he, and he actually trains like a dog the bloke you know so but would yeah. you what what would be your combination because um you know, in terms of a natural gift versus kind of just a, a love for it and a work ethic, and and as an extension to that question, how important do you think talent is versus a work ethic? Well, I I, I really dislike the word talent because it does, as you just said, it it infers that it's you just kind of get up in the morning and you're great at what you do. You don't have to work at it. Um, and it, the, the more that we use the word talent, you know, Britain's got talent. It's used all the time. People walk up on stage, open their mouth. Oh my God, they've got the voice of an angel. Where did that come from? It's, you know, I've just discovered it. When in reality, they've been singing for years and they've worked very hard at it. Mm. For me, I prefer to use, to use the word potential. So I think we've all got potential in any number of different areas. And it's about discovering that potential. And very few of us ever get close to our genuine potential of what we can do. And for me, it was, yeah, hard work was at the, the very heart of what I did. So I had to, you have to love doing what you do to work hard at it or work hard enough to become good at it. But equally, I think I had the physiological potential to be good at sprinting. I was never going to be a Tour de France rider because I don't have the right you know, um, muscle fiber composition. So you've, you've got lots of fast twitch fibers. You're going to be a sprinter or a thrower or a power athlete versus you know, a, a Geraint Thomas or a, 
and Mo Farah. But yeah, I guess for me, so much of it came down to the hard work and just knowing that it wasn't at the start. I, I, my dream was to become Olympic champion. I loved, you know, that was that was everything to me. But I never thought it would happen. And it was it was just like a pipe dream. But I always just wanted to see how far I could go. And each each year, each or each week, even just trying to be a little bit better than the one before, and progress and and but enjoy the process. That was the the big part of it. You've got to have fun. And it doesn't mean to say you love the pain of every session, but I love the feeling of being on a journey towards an end goal and, and having fun along the way. So we're saying Susan Boyle was a fake, right? She's been coached. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, we just want to... Uh, you heard it here first. Yeah. Touch you remind me of Rick Waller. He's a talented guy. Anyway. Um, you won a silver in Sydney, right, in 2000. Um, 2004 yeah. was your first gold medal. But there's a story that you came off your bike leading up I did. to that. Yeah, it's not a story. It's actually true. Well, um, yeah. How did you, you go about falling off your bike uh, around the Olympic Village? Yeah, well, I, I crashed twice, actually. So the first one was about two, two months before, and I was riding down to the track one day for a training session, and I came just half a mile from the velodrome, just coming up to the, where the Man City um, sort of academy is now, and there's a crossroads, and it, the lights were green. I was just riding along, minding my own business, and a police van, it wasn't you know blue lights flashing, just a police van sitting at the lights, about, about to turn in front of me, just just kept coming. And as he's getting closer, I thought, he's, he has seen me, hasn't he? And you have this split second of, oh, my God, he's going to hit me. And I pulled the brakes. And he pulled the brakes at the last second. And it was a real sort of gentle nudge in the end. He knocked me off. And I, I got such a fright. And it was more this this moment of, you know, all this t- all this effort, all these years and years of training to yeah. get to this moment. I'm almost at the Games. This is, my, this is my year. This is my chance to become Olympic champion. And it almost disappeared in, a blink, in the blink of an eye. And I absolutely yelled at this guy and it, it was just, oh. <laughs> just it properly chastised him in front of his two other colleagues um, and he just sort of stood there and he sort of took it all and got back in and apologised and drove off and then so that was the first one um, the second one was, was about four or five days before the race itself in the village I'd just finished my last really nasty interval session on the bike the job was done you know I kind of everything was ready and I thought brilliant ready to go and I went for a little spin around the village and I was minding my own business and I came up to a roundabout and there was a, a bus, like an athlete's village bus that was coming up to the roundabout. And in Greece, I suddenly thought, who has right away here? And I, I thought I had right away. He thought he had right away. I thought, I'm not going to risk it. I'll just zip round in front before before I find out you know, what's going to happen. Went too fast, hot tarmac, slid out, skinned myself, um, got back up. And I, for a split second, it was just that horrible feeling of, you know, is my collarbone okay? You know, have I broken anything? Yeah. And again, just that, just that fear of, you know, you put so much into it, and and people talk about what what emotions do you have after a race when you when you've won or lost or whatever. A lot of the time, it's just relief that you've that you've got to the, that point without injury or illness or something going wrong that you've made it to the start line. Because it's, yeah, there's so many variables that can go wrong that are out with your control. Far better story than I thought. I thought it was going to be like you had a fixed cog on your bike and you forgot, or you had your cleats in, you had your cleats in, you couldn't get your feet out of time. Um, Flats wanted to ask you, he didn't have the guts, so he's told me to do it. What what was the Olympic village like? I mean, because uh, we got a, a lot of reports that it's a bit like an 18 to 30s holiday. Uh, it's like the last days of Rome. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's, it is, I mean, it's, it's funny because it's the what I like about it is the transition from the first few days when you arrive pre-race and the games haven't started yet and everybody's just you're there's the tension and the anticipation and the nerves and you're finding your way and you're getting to you know where's the, where's the dining hall where's the the transport bit where's your where's your apartment block and there's and you're just kind of taking it all in and it's just super exciting but everyone's all twitchy and then as the the days pass and people start to compete and then they finish competing it's just this gradual transition where there's people are, you know, letting off steam. Yeah. And by the end, by the last night, when the you know the closing ceremony is happening, it is. It's just like, um, I don't know. It's the it's a it is a magical place to be because you've got whether you've won or lost, it, it's over and you can let off steam and relax. And you know, another example going into the the dining hall on the first day, there's always a McDonald's stand because they're a sponsor of the games. <laughs> and and nobody like maybe one or two sort of coaches are over there having a Big Mac or whatever, but there's nobody there. And then as the days go by, the queue starts to get bigger and bigger. And by the end, <laughs> it's not because people love McDonald's; it's just because it's it's a it's I think it's symbolic that you can, you know, it doesn't matter now. You can you can eat whatever you want, you can mm-hmm. do whatever you want. And you know, there's there's eating challenges where you've got to eat a hundred nuggets 
or 20 Big Macs was the, the big one that people had to try and do. I mean, for you boys, oh. I'm sure that's just a normal normal lunchtime. You can Breakfast, just mate. <laughs> yeah. But, God, dear, when you watch like a little, not a little, but an average-sized swimmer trying to knock down 100 nuggets, it's not a, not a pretty sight. That's that is actually that's actually difficult. I on mm. the on the um sort of race day theme. I don't know if you're watching or if you watched so far the Last Dance, the Chicago Bulls documentary. I on haven't, Netflix. but I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, oh, yeah. everyone's raving about it. I mean, everyone everyone's different, but Shanks and I absolutely love it. And it probably is a bit of a PR puff piece in a way, but it is a it is just brilliant television. It's just outstanding. And Shanks tweeted a link yesterday, a, a video yesterday of just two minutes at the end of one of the last recent episodes and it is just the most staggering bit of TV but what what a lot what a lot of the show is about is about Michael Jordan's yes he's a fantastic player but it's about his mindset so his work ethic his drive the, the way he finds he finds a way to be so competitive and intense every or so often when he plays I wondered about you sort of leading into, say, an Olympic final the night before waking up on the day. Were you someone who was just unbelievably intense and focused and aggressive? Or were you relaxed, calm, knew what you had to do, knew your power outputs, knew you would win, you know, and felt quite sort of quietly relaxed and confident? Who were you leading up to those races? Oh, I'd say and I was able to flick the switch. So every day in training, the, the aim was to be in race mode, whenever you got on the track, every single effort you did had to be 100%. So as a sprinter, there's no point in doing an effort at 95%. You're better off resting. Um, so you had to, but you, you can't have that intensity every single day of your life, otherwise you burn out. So it was finding the way to to be able to sit in the track centre with your teammates, having a laugh, having a chat, and then all of a sudden the coach calls your name, right, you're on. And then as soon as you cross that line and get up on the track, it's like you are flicking a switch and you can you can bring 100% every single time. So it was learning to have that, that on-off switch um, because you can't you can't keep that intensity, you can't keep that focus for week after week, month after month, year after year. On race day, I became calm because I felt that my, my confidence, my, my, my um, belief, I suppose, came from knowing that there was nothing more I could have done. So I wasn't mm. going in thinking, I'm going to win this. I was going in thinking... I genuinely, hand on heart, every single session, I have given 100%. I've prepared the best way I possibly can. I've done everything I can to be the best shape that I possibly can be. So why worry? You know, if you come second, shake the guy's hand and say, well done. He was the better man in the day. Mm. Um, but it's, it's the, mm. the thing I didn't want, the thing I was most fearful of was not committing hard enough, you know, arriving on race day thinking, I wonder if I'd tried that differently. I wonder if I'd pushed myself a bit harder. I wonder if I hadn't gone on that stag do six months ago or whatever, would the result be different? And, you know, you've got a whole lifetime to look back on it. You don't want to be thinking, I wonder if I could have done it differently. The end result might have been different. Yeah, so stag do, not stag don't. Um, <laughs> when, you're, when, you're flying around the tr- when you're flying around the track, when you're flying around the track, when you're flying around the track, I'll use that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, that. I'll start. You're flying around the track. <laughs> You get a, you get a messages on your board from coaches. How difficult is that to actually view and to and to process? Because you've got so much going on. You're looking at your opposite yeah. number. You're looking at the time. Um, you're looking at the track itself. I mean, it's a bit like Formula One, sort of 15 years ago, isn't it? When uh, just over yeah. the, over the side comes a little board. I mean, what information are they feeding well, you? Just says Chris, so you're a knob. Yeah, faster. For my events, they didn't do that because it is such a short event, and and you kind of you you'll get you know cues. They'll be shouting or whistling or making noises if there's if there's an attack from behind. Yeah, your your coach. You re- you start to recognise. It's like sheepdogs. You'll recognise the whistle of your coach or the shout of your coach, and you'll think something's happened here. I, you know, the, the one response is accelerate and go. Yeah. The guys that get the boards, you know, get the information, that's that's an event where you'll be pacing the effort. So the pursuit or the team pursuit, you need to, to ride to a schedule. So you don't want to go off, you know, like a scholar cap the first few laps and, and go way too fast and blow up. So you're riding to a schedule and you're also getting information about the team on the other side that you're racing against. But for us, it was just, you know, here's a game plan. You have your kind of ABC plan your get-out-of-jail plan, and then you have to also be flexible in case something bizarre happens um, during the race. And it's, yeah, a lot of it is instinct as well in the sprint because you haven't got time to think, right, what what was I was supposed to do when this happens? You know, the, mm. that split second of decision-making, it's gone, you're, you're over, it's, it's too late. So, 
yeah, for us, a lot of it was once you got, once they rolled you off the start line, you were on your own. And it was one thing that was quite weird, or one, one moment in my whole career that was quite odd in that respect was the Olympic final in Beijing. I was up against Jason Kenny, my teammate. Mm. So the coaches had done their job. They got us to the final. So Britain was guaranteed a gold and a silver in that event. Mm. And they said, look, we don't want to show any favoritism. So you're on your own. You know, you decide what your tactics are going to be. You decide what you're going to do. Right. Um, so for the biggest race of your career, you know, every other race, whether it's a local track league up to the Olympic, you know, world final, you have your coach telling you exactly in detail, right, this is what we're going to do. This is his weakness. This is how you're going to expose it. This is what you want to do at this point. And they said, yeah, have a think about that on your own, lads. You know, you're, you're, we don't want to show favoritism. So it was quite a strange feeling. And you're also against someone you know really, really well. You know what he wants to do in the race and vice versa. Um, That's so, that so was, odd. That, that was tough, yeah. Did you... Did you have like pre-race meal together and stuff on the day or did you actually stay separate we were living in the same room we were roommates so you wake oh up in the gosh. morning and it's like um, but we're really good mates um and and it was just this sort of we would talk about anything other than the racing that was our sort of rule yeah um but on that morning i remember they kind of getting up and it was the fifth day competition and you're you're both starting to feel it you know you're you wake up your legs are aching and your body's aching and and, and normally when you get up and you're like, oh, God, I'm knackered. And, oh, all right, let's go to breakfast. Get up that morning. How you doing, Jace? Yeah, really good. How are you? Yeah, really good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Feeling great, mate. Yeah. Hey, Jace, <laughs> have this cup of tea, Jace. Drink it all. <laughs> Pills are good. Pills are good. <laughs> Lick this chicken breast. Yeah, yes. <laughs> exactly. But, um, it's, it's funny because a lot of teams, they can't manage that. Um, like the French in particular, they had in the 90s, they had some incredible athletes. They still do. Um, but back then they were dominant in track sprinting. But they would often end up with one, you know, the first and second in the final. And often they were just the infighting between the North and the South camp because they didn't train together. They only came together for the, the international competitions. Uh, mm. It was just like there were two separate teams in one and they, they could often fight so much between their own teammates that they would destroy themselves before they made the final. So, yeah, how you manage the rivalry yeah. within teams is, is absolutely crucial. That is that is fascinating. Uh, right, um, favourite race of all time that you've been in as opposed to That watch. I've been in? Yep. Okay. Um, favourite race of all time? I think probably it probably would... Well, can I have two? The first, the first yep. one, without yep. doubt, was Athens 2004, hmm. um, the Kilo. So the Kilo, for those who don't know, it's a time trial event. There's no heats, um, so you don't see your rivals, what they've got until the, the final itself. And you go in reverse order of your world seeding. So I was, I'd won the world title that year. I was last to go, and I had to sit and watch everybody else post their time. And I, oh. three guys before all consecutively broke the world record, so it got faster and faster and faster. And you're on the start line thinking, you know, a PB will get me fourth place here. You know, I can't, this is just... It, it, it was, you know, it's a physical event. It's, there's very few variables, but it's such a psychological event too. So mm. that was, and that was to become Olympic champion for the first time. Um, and I, I, I did it by a hair's breadth. And it was, yeah, the, becoming Olympic champion, realizing your dream. Um, that that's something I'll never ever forget. And I never thought anything could come close to it. So the second one that that, that did came came very close to it. I potentially even trump it would be the the final in in london in 2012 mm, the kieran yeah um just to finish off my career it was the last event of the track programs so everyone had stopped in the track set to watch it and it was it was just the perfect end really and, and real drama as well because it's such a in, in contrast to the kilo the kieran is really there, there's all these different variables you never know if you're going to win until you cross the line it's it's just a it's an exciting event and yeah to win in front of a home crowd was Something I'll never forget. Okay, favourite place or favourite country to tour slash cycle? You can't say Glasgow because you've got a Velodrome named after you. <laughs> Australia. Perth. Yeah. We used to go to Perth every every winter and it's one of the things I miss. The, the biggest things I miss in my mm. career is that sort of escape in the, the UK winter to go out to Australia. Love Perth. Learned about coffee. Did barista courses out there. My days off. Um, got lifelong friends living out there now. It's just, yeah, a wonderful place and it became like our second home. Yeah, I've, no, I've noticed you're a, a coffee guy on social media. That's that could come in handy at some point. Um, <laughs> I'm going to see you next. That, yeah, I, if pe people talk about Perth as kind of someone called it. I forget. I went on a rugby tour there, and someone called it the plastic something. And I thought I love. I expected it to be kind of almost like a, a you know, man-made lake. It's fine, but it's not the same. And I got there and absolutely loved it. It's one of my favourite yeah. parts of yeah. Australia. It's a great place. Great, it's great very lifestyle. quiet. 
it's a bit, yeah. for a training training camp or training venue. It's amazing because you don't have the roads aren't so busy. You don't have a huge number of distractions. But on your day off, you can go and down to Cottesloe. You can sit in the cafes. You can watch the world go by. It's beautiful. There's plenty of. Um, it's got a great facility for the gym and the track and everything else. But yeah, I, I do. I love the pace out in Perth. It's it's a wonderful place. It's a cool place. Did you um, ever get a text from Sir Steve Redgrave when you overtook him with your six goals? Was it a little uh, well done or even better than that? He was he was so in the track centre in the uh, in the mix zone. I came down and I was chatting to Joe Douglas first first up yeah. straight across to BBC. And Joe's like, we've got a little um, special somebody here. And this man, Mountain, who'd been crouching down behind her, stood up. And, you know, Steve's about eight foot tall. And he gave me this big bear hug. And I felt like I was a 10-year-old child again, getting you yeah. know, a hug from my dad. It was like, he was he was there to see it. So it, was, it meant a huge amount. Yeah. I was a massive fan of Steve when he was competing. And I Everyone's used to roll a massive school myself. So, yeah. I, you know, again, you know, Steve and, and Matt were like, you know, yeah, massive heroes. So to, to have him there... And to, for him to watch you, you beating his total was, yeah, quite bizarre. I still really. think I mean, his biggest is... achievement is winning gladiators. Um, <laughs> yeah. People forget. People I, forget. I, it's a, it's, that's a lovely story, <laughs> Chris, about Sir Steve Redgrave. It's a really nice story, but it would have been a bit better if he'd been a bit of a dick about it. Um, you know, you kind of you want to don't you a little bit. You want just it'd be a bit better if it bit, if it blanked you at dinner. Shook your hand, but didn't look you in the eyes like. Yeah, and blanked you and walked off. And, and you found out he'd been Squeeze slagging you off really to the BBC you. bosses. Been slagging you off so you didn't take his job. I'd have preferred that. Right, um, best ever or greatest opponent. Greatest opponent. Oh, I've had loads over the years, loads of the years. But I think the person that I had the most respect for as an athlete and was the toughest to crack was Jason Kenny. And I think yeah. he gets, he doesn't, doesn't get enough um, credit. Um, but he, I think a lot of it's down to the way he, he acts. He doesn't really want the attention um, as such. He doesn't, he, he's quite a shy person, but the thing that was tough, the, the toughest thing about, you know, you compete against guys who are all physiologically very similar. They all have very similar power outputs, the same potential physically, but it was the way that Jason was able to just, I don't know. It's like he treated an Olympic final the same way you would treat a, a training session. He didn't come in thinking, "Oh my God," and, and he wasn't overawed by it. He just turned up, and it was mm-hmm. it was his calmness that was quite unsettling. And you, you, you're thinking, well, "How do I get inside this guy's head and crack him? How do I how do I find his weakness? How can I expose a weakness and, and win this race tactically?" Mm. Um, and it was the, that Olympic final in Beijing was incredibly tough. And then some of the battles that we had behind closed doors in training. Um, you know, were, were some of the toughest races I've ever had, and there was no one there to see it. We, you know, on a yeah. Wednesday afternoon at Manchester Velodrome, we would be knocking seven shades out of each other just just to try and get our place on the team. Um, what about any sort of rituals you'd have before a big race? Did you have like a favourite pair of socks or a jock strap, or you know, did you put your left sock on first? Well, I did, but I didn't wear it. I just said she's keeping my pocket. Yeah, I used to, yeah, I used to have that close to me as I put it down, like, the, put like it down the front pocket. pocket. I, didn't, I didn't have any. <laughs> I didn't have any. I, I, you know, I was very much of the. I still think the same way that, you know, if you if you're relying on a lucky pair of boxer shorts yeah. or a, you know some sort of garment, what happens if you lose it? What happens if you don't have it in the day? You know, it's not the lucky mm-hmm. boxers that won you the races. It's nothing to do with that. And I think trying to have that mindset of, do you know what, it's not about luck here. Um, so, yeah, I, there were a lot of people that had routines. and I mean, I suppose I did have routines in terms of the process. I'd follow the same process warming up and I would have my physical warm-up, a mental warm-up, get myself in the right frame of mind. I would listen to, uh, there's probably the same playlist for quite a few years, add the odd song every now and again, but you know th- that would be your routine leading up to competition. But, yeah, I didn't have any lucky, lucky stuff to wear. Yeah, Rocky soundtrack, yeah, that's idea. always good. Rocky soundtrack. It's, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, it's squats and track work that win you the medals, isn't it? Not your socks. Um, exactly. Sir Chris, Sir Chris, thank you so much for uh, coming on our little pod. We really appreciate it. Um, Shanks has got to go and learn the guitar, and I've got to go and do some improper fractions with my eight-year-old. So um, <laughs> it's, t- it's, it's time to crack absolute, on with our lives, but great to speak to you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. And I, I can only aspire to be as good a barbecue master as you. I've been, um, I, I do follow you very closely on social media, and I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm just one day. I'm hoping that I can do some ribs as well as yours, but yeah, we'll see. Well, I, bear in mind, I've seen I've seen your your uh, barbecue barbecuing work on the stuff you put on social media, and I and bear in mind, I only post the good stuff. All right, well, so me I've too. Had, <laughs> I haven't me posted too, it for mate. a couple of days. That's because I've cocked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing brisket, and I still can't get it right. So I'm, I've, 
I'm very careful. I never commit and say I'm doing a brisket or I'm doing a pork, a pork shoulder or whatever until yep. it's done. Yep. You know, I burnt a chicken last night. Oddly, <laughs> oddly, I mean, topically, I went out for a bike ride and forgot that I was meant to be basting it, came back and I'd ruined it. Oh, so um, we oh. had some salad. Um, <laughs> hey, take it easy. Thanks, mate. And enjoy lockdown. Thank you so much. Thank take you, care, guys. Follow me take on Strava if you can. Cheers. <laughs> Bye. Bye. See you, mate. Bye. See you. What a treat that was, mate. <laughs> I've been quietly laughing to myself. Follow me on Strava. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even on there. Of I wish I was. I wish I was. You, you get that sometimes, don't you, where you just don't want interviews to end. You know. Yeah. It was one of those. We had it with Phil Bennett before where we just sat there and we just listened and listened. You could do that. I mean, we, we hardly touched on anything. We hardly touched on his three goals at Beijing. You know, carrying the flag out for the London team. Um, well, the the uh, Great British team at the London Olympics. You know, incredible what he's done. Yeah. But I, I sort of think, you know, you could go on Google or YouTube and you'll find him talking about all of his medals. But I, I, I just kind of prefer to hear about the bloke a little bit and what mm. he's up to and what he likes doing and his bike rides and his squats and his... The, the the odd rooming with Jason Kenny was fascinating, you know. Like, yeah. I didn't know that. I followed his career really closely, as you did, and I didn't know that. And how strange is that? Like waking up against a man you're competing against for a gold medal, and he's just there next to you. Like, imagine like that. Oh man, I'm feeling I'm real tired today. I think you got this one. And but secretly, be knowing now, I feel fresh. Just trying to a bit of reverse psychology. Well, I, I roomed, it's exactly the same as when, um, exactly the same, same level as when I roomed with Trevor Woodman in Argentina in 2002. And there are only two loose heads on tour and only one prop on the bench then. So one of us is going to start and Vix was going to, you know, the other one will be on the bench and Vix will cover both sides. So it's like, right, one of us, one of you's playing, one of you's not. I woke up next to Trev and I said, who do you reckon they're going to pick? He goes, wow, he'd be one of us, wasn't it? That was well it. Yeah. <laughs> Be one of us, wasn't it? Played, yeah. in, played in this game in 2001, right? Tour to Japan with Wales and hadn't been capped, um, but played a lot of the midweek games. And we played against Pacific Barbarians. And I was, uh, in the middle of the game, right? I was going to get smashed by one of the um, Maori players. Who was playing. I can't remember who it was. It wasn't anyone that famous that you'd know. But anyway, and I remember thinking, oh, get rid of the ball quickly. So I quickly passed to Mark Jones and he got mullered like... You know, his legs were, were bent like a pretzel. And um, he injured himself, um, was out of the tour. And guess who got called up the following week for the last game against Japan? Cap who, game. Not Jamie Roberts. <laughs> mate, he was in his diaper back then. Um, you created him. Mate, it was me. It was me. Mark Jones, what a player. Hmm. We saw that the other day, didn't we? Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. Um, so everything happens for a reason, all right? Um, anyway... Everything happens for a reason. I've always said it. It's a uh, very enjoyable pod, that. Really enjoyed. Can we call him up next week as well? Yeah, do you know... Where do we go from here? You, you can't... Unless we get Ricky Gervais on, we might as well stop our pod. Hmm. Have you He's done so... any... Um, you must have done a couple of Q&As with Michael Jordan before. Yeah, I've done loads of stuff with George. Okay. With NJ. Yeah. Um, you know what he's like, though. He's, he's, um, he'll record it, and then he won't let us release it for 20 years. Yeah. Let the suspense build a bit. What about Beefy? Do you know Beefy? Yeah, of course I know Beefy. Yeah, let's get Beefy on. Do you want him on? Yeah. Yeah, never met him, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll sort something out. Either that or we'll, you know, I don't know, we'll get Dave Barnes on, um, second choice loser prop. We'll get Mark Regan on. Years. There we are. We'll get Ronnie on, um, swear a bit. Um, hey, well done, fella. Well done, listeners. Hope you enjoyed that. Mm. What a lovely man he is. Okay, take care. Keep going. Ta-da. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 